following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Let's put a record. We got the sun in Phoenix too. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to the Always Sunny in Phoenix podcast. I don't know why I said it that way, but I did. A little bit of retro, Sunny in Phoenix podcast, the weekly podcast where we keep you up to date with everything Phoenix Suns related. I'm your host for today, David McGraw, alongside my co-host, the ever so dabbing Mitch Krumpetich. How you doing, big boy? You know, I'm doing really good. Um, it's summer. My hat's on backwards. I'm ready to party. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I got into Vine like three years too late. And so I, I quote vines a lot now, um, but no, it, for real, I'm doing really well. Um, you know, and I think a big reason is we we're getting this influx of Twitter questions to the show. And I think that's really great. It's a lot of fun. And I just want to say anyone who ever has a Twitter question that you would want answered on the show, send it to us. If you've been listening over the last couple of weeks, we get some pretty ridiculous stuff and I'm all about that, but um, we have we have some basketball-related stuff today, so send us any Twitter questions you have at SunnyNPHXPod, and we will be happy to answer it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's always fun answering stuff and getting a little goofy, because uh, that's what we do on a daily basis anyways, <laughs> so. <laughs> all right, so Mitch... You've got the red carpet of question of uh, topics, not questions. Questions too, but you got both of them up. So uh, why don't you uh, walk us through this bad boy? Yeah. So today we're gonna go over a few things. Lottery results. I'm sure you've all seen it already, but we're we're gonna talk about the results of this incredible NBA lottery. Uh, after that, we're gonna talk about some options. We've uh, we've been getting some pretty interesting information about. Uh, what could go down now that we know where we're picking. Uh, and then we're we're going to answer the Twitter questions, of course. And we are also going to talk about the conference finals because we've got some interesting stuff going on here. But let's start off with this uh, this lottery. The Suns, for the first time in their history, got the number one pick. And it, I'm ecstatic. I mean, it it felt like we won the championship. It's like after four years of being awful in every way, we finally got the one pick. We did it. And, you know, the, the whole plan all along was to kind of be done with the tanking and all of that after this season. And I think this is just a sign that things are going to start changing here in Phoenix. But what were your initial reactions when we uh, when we saw that? The, the result there, David. I was terrified. I like <laughs> throughout the entire process, I was absolutely terrified. Um, watch it. I, I did. I watched the ESPN show because I think we all did, um, or at least kind of watched it in the background. Um, vi- 
painful, painful show. It always is. It's a painful show just to watch. It's really rough. It isn't very helpful on a lot of things. But as soon as the first jump was made, which was um, Sacramento was the first one to jump up. Yep, I was just like, well, here it goes. Here, Here's how it happens. Here's where we get pushed back. And then when Atlanta jumped to, I was at the same spot. I was like, well, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. And then we weren't. And it was like, all right, well, we've at least got top three. Please, for the love of all that is holy, please just let us stay at that number one. And we did. And, you know, if you are an NBA conspiracy theorist like me, and think that everything's a little rigged and it's all about narrative, then um, you would think that, oh, well, it makes sense. You know, we've got three really strong narratives. There's the narrative that, you know, Devin Booker needs help, and Devin Booker and Josh Jackson need that last guy to be able to finish the core in Phoenix. There's the narrative that we just hired hired Igor Kokoshkov. That that first K is like a co. It's anyways. Um we just hired him and Doncic is the heir apparent to him like mentor all that kind of stuff uh getting back together or the narrative of Aiton staying in Arizona he went to high school in Phoenix and at uh the prep academy down there I don't remember exactly which one it is um did that went to U of A staying in Phoenix uh, for the sun so these really strong narratives that uh you know, even if you think that the NBA is rigged, it makes sense kind of to uh, keep us at one. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from on all of those. Uh, I want to go back to when we were finding out the order because I I was pretty scared when we saw Sacramento and Atlanta jump up and it came to that four pick and I was just sitting there. And I, I started just like babbling out loud. I was like, Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies. And then they say, the fourth pick will go to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just jumped up and I was like, yes. And so then, yeah, then we found out that order and we got one. And I just remember, I, I thought back to a year ago um, when when we were seeing these results and getting the fourth pick and just – thinking like I can't do this again <laughs> and I didn't have to and it was really nice but yeah I mean there there are some interesting narratives going on and I think that leads into uh the next topic really well and that's just uh, we, we're hearing that there's going to be some options that we have with number one so of course I'm sure you've all heard by now Doncic and Aiton we talked about it on the show we'll talk about it more I'm sure um but Ryan McDonough uh, actually came out and said he is certainly open to dealing the number one pick. Now, some people have taken this out of context, as is natural. Um, but there, there's a quote here that I'm going to read uh, from an ESPN article that gives a little more clarity. Um, it says, McDonough told reporters Tuesday after the lottery that the Suns were very unlikely to trade the pick. On Friday, he qualified that likelihood, saying an NBA veteran with several years left on his contract could turn the tide. And this is what McDonough says. Our biggest team needs are at the point guard slot and at the five, McDonough said. Where we sit in this draft, those are two pretty good positions to address. But we won't look to just address those through the draft through young players. We'll also look at free agent signing scenarios. 
we'll look at trade scenarios. We think and hope we're one of the more improved teams in the league next year. So I think that gives quite a bit more context to what he's saying there. I don't think this is anything like, oh, we're definitely trading it or, oh, we're definitely not trading it. Like this happens every year, no matter who has the one pick, teams are going to explore their options and take all of these calls. So I don't know. What what do you think of this, David? Yeah, you know, it's this big thing that everyone freaks out about, it seems like, on uh, Facebook, on basketball forums, all that kind of stuff. People hear, this team is open to trading this thing. And it's like, well, yeah, you're not going to just completely shut off all, like, scenarios. You're not just going to be like, nope, I'm never trading this whatsoever. Like, say, like... If Philly called and was just like, oh, hey, do you want Ben Simmons for, or like Ben Simmons or Embiid or whatever, like, then it's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'll trade the one pick for that. That's the whole point. You, it, that's not going to happen. And that's, that's the entire point. There is a deal out there for everyone. The only time you're not going to like trade someone is when you have arguably one of the best players to ever play the game. Then you're not going to trade them. But, you know, even at that point, sometimes you have to trade because it's like, look, I'm going to leave or you trade me. Like, that's just how it is. And that happens sometimes. But, like, you just have to think of context. Like, there is a deal out there technically. Now, that deal may not ever be agreed. That deal might never actually, like, be a thing that's possible for both sides to agree. But, like, that is the point. And that's the point of just being like, yes, you know. There is technically a deal out there that would trade it. We're not going to go ahead and just like trade this willy nilly and be like, oh, the Clippers are trading 12 and 13. We might as well give up the one pick for it. Like, that's not the point of what like McDonough is saying at all. And he clarifies that. Like, there's a handful of guys basically that he would be willing to trade the one pick for. I can tell you those guys right now it's LeBron, it's Steph, it's Kevin Durant. Like, these kind of guys, Anthony Davis, like, yeah, anyone would trade the number one pick for those guys in a heartbeat. Yes, I will take Anthony Davis for the one pick. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we the Suns have done some dumb stuff, but not that dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, everyone, like, freaking out. It's like, oh, well, like, this is it. This is how they screw it up. It's like, calm down a little bit. Just take a step back. Listen to the quote. Listen to what McDonough is saying and then, like, react then. Don't just, like, freak out and say that this is the end and we're all going to lose it. Also, right. don't say this is the end because there's actually a conversation for the one pick of who you should pick between Doncic and Aiton. But your guy, you swear that if we take the not your guy that you're going to quit watching the team. That's ridiculous and dumb, too. Yeah, I mean... I'm with you completely on this, but I do understand people overreacting because this is an exciting time. We have literally never been in this position ever before, and I just think Suns fans don't know what to do. I mean, I, I know I'm like, having to talk about this, I'm just like, it's so foreign, you know? And I know we've talked about trading the four pick last year and all of that, trading up like we did to get uh, Marquise Chris and all that. But, like, this is different. The one pick is different. Yeah, it, de it definitely is. It's definitely a different scenario. And, like, you, you want to be in these scenarios as a franchise. And I, I guess, like... I I think people just need to cool their jets a little bit and 
like just dial it back up scotch when just saying that Sarver's going to ruin everything and he's going to just kill the sons and move them into the sun instead of like keeping them in phoenix or something like people just need to relax a bit for like this right now and just enjoy the fact that we have the one pick yeah and all i have to say now is i'm counting the days to june 21st it cannot come soon enough no it it really can't i'm so excited i i don't know what i want to happen like in my head like it's i have arguments for both sides and i i could lean one way one side one day and one side the other like i just don't know and i just i just want it to come and just to see whatever ensues right it's a good problem to have and i mean we we all love the draft so much to begin with and i mean this year is just gonna be even better than usual um, but I think this this leads into uh, a great Twitter question that we got um, from a friend of the pod, Shan Liska. Um, she says, longtime listener, second time tweeter. Thank you so much. Which team, if any, do you think will make the craziest moves this offseason? Hashtag boy. Hashtag want to be a friend of the pod. So appreciate the tweet there. Um, but I think this is a great question. And we we received this tweet uh, a couple days ago, and so we were able to take some time and discuss it, and you know really think about the answer. And I think there's a lot of really interesting possibilities out there. But after our uh, off mic discussion we had the other day, David, what, did you settle on one team that you think is going to make the most moves? No, I, I just I have such a hard time settling on anything. <laughs> as you just heard about my inherent ramblings about having a number one pick i can't settle on anything whatsoever. <laughs> like so much stuff is going on in my head like i i could tell you like some ideas of what i've thought like the first couple of teams that come into my head and i can give you that so i'll, well, I'll just do that let's hear it let's hear it so so first one pops into my head detroit pistons they they're kind of stuck in no man's land they just fired stan van gundy uh there's always been some talk of what's going to happen with that team. It seems like every summer it's like, okay, is Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson getting traded? Are they going to do try and do a full rebuild? What are they going to do? They're always in the bottom half of the league in attendance. They Even though they just opened up the new arena, they're just always having some issues there. Where, where, where do they go? They're kind of stuck in this no man's land similar to Charlotte. And I could really see with some new management coming in, um, someone pushing hard to try and, you know, either build around Blake Griffin or just completely just bl- send out any positive aspects they can and go from there. And I could see that happening really easily. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that too. And really quick, you mentioned Charlotte. Charlotte was one of the teams on my list that I think could be changing a lot. And, you know, they just signed a new head coach, James Borrego from uh, San Antonio, one of the assistants there. And we should mention that Dr- Jay Triano was hired as the lead assistant coach there. So congrats to him. He is such a great assistant. Um, but anytime that you have a change like that on a team, you usually are going to see some moves. And we've already heard these rumors about Kemba being traded um, last season. And, um, they, they're one of those teams that's kind of stuck in this like perpetual 
40 or so win season kind of thing, barely missing the playoffs. And like, how long are you just going to survive like that where you're like decent, but never better than that? Yeah. You know, being in the spot where you get like mid 30 wins where you're not, you're not bad enough to be in like the top seven or five in the draft, but you're not good enough to break that playoff barrier. And I, I think both of those teams, you know, Pistons and Charlotte, whether that be kind of a just the East isn't that good, so these teams are able to get more wins than they than they should, or that you know they really are. They're just they they're in this middle area and they got to figure out what to do. You got to think that in Charlotte, Dwight's getting shipped off because you know like is he's just he just gets traded every off season now, so. That's just what happens. Uh, the questions of, is Kemba going to stay there? No one really knows what's going on. They're stuck in that awful Nicholas Batum contract that I think everyone could have said would have been a bad idea, but they did it anyways. Like, they've got so much stuff going on, and it, it's really interesting to see what they do. Do they try and make a couple moves and make that push, or do they just strip it all away and, you know, be good with being, a, being in the – uh, mediocrity yeah yep all good points uh, I think another couple teams quickly that I think are uh, possibilities for making the craziest offseason moves the Cavs easy one um, they usually make a lot of moves um, LeBron might not be back it's I mean we'll get to this a little bit more later but it's it's really not looking good <laughs> for the Cavs right now um, and a lot of the guys, I mean, they changed over half their team in the middle of the season, and a lot of those guys have not panned out as they hoped they would, so that's kind of an easy one. Um, we talked about Portland. Um, there's been some rumors that one of Dame or C.J. McCollum will uh, not be on the team next year. Um, I really, really, really doubt that would be Dame, um, but rumors are out there. Uh, and then Minnesota is another one. We're hearing a little bit that there might be a little bit of friction between the T-Wolves and Carl Anthony Towns, and we're seeing Devin Booker posting uh, the picture that Towns took of him in the Booker jersey and saying it looks realistic, and um, people are saying, oh, what if we trade the one pick for Towns, and that makes me really, really excited, um, but I, I don't really think that trade is going to happen. I think the T-Wolves are smart enough to realize that it's not a good idea to move Towns and they will just change things up to keep him happy. But I can dream. Yeah, Thibodeau has gone way faster than Towns is traded. Like, Thibodeau tries to trade Towns, like, puts a deal on the table is trying to push it through and that front office goes in there, rips it up and tells Thibodeau to go away. Like that's just what happens town. And it, it, like, it's a really cool pipe dream and we can wish it, but uh, it's not happening. And uh, like, whatever. I think that the wolves is a good one. Uh, the Portland one. I just don't know. Like there's still a decent team and they're still in the playoffs. The, the question is, are you going to listen to sports writers who say if you're not competing for a championship, then you're not doing it? Or are you 
going to be good as a market being a healthy playoff team all the time. And that's what it seems like. No one knows what they should be. Front offices want to be in the playoffs. That's where you make the most money. It doesn't necessarily matter if you, you know, you need to make that. If you don't need to make a change just to make a change because you're not going anywhere, especially if you're a playoff team. And so, yeah, if someone's going to go, it's CJ first, but I don't think either of those guys are going. Um, my two that I think could really easily happen are both LA teams. I think that the Clippers really could go either way. They could either retool and with Lou Williams, uh, get DeAndre Jordan back and do a couple moves here or there. They've got Tobias Harris. They've got, um, I, I think they still have Tia Dosich under contract and like do a couple of things there and try and get back into the playoffs or, you know, something i think that that's the way they're going to try and go with uh bringing in jerry west and um you know trying to stay relevant in los angeles they they still i think their ticket prices are like a quarter of the lakers still even though the lakers have been garbage the last however many years like it's still la is still a lakers like area so the question is, are they going to try and just get back into the playoffs next year, or are they going to try and do a rebuild because, you know, you don't have Chris Paul, you don't have Blake Griffin. Your pieces right now, as I just said, are Lou Williams, Tobias Harris, and DeAndre Jordan, and DeAndre Jordan could bolt. So you don't really know. And that Lakers team, you know, uh, a lot of people think that um, they might be getting – one or both of Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins. If they get one of those guys, there's a huge push for some personnel changes to make it so they can be a playoff team in the West. And obviously one of those guys gives them a shot since they were just a 31 team. And both of those guys obvi- definitely puts them in the playoffs. I don't think, I feel like Boogie doesn't leave New Orleans, but if he does, then he must not like winning or thinks that they're good enough, I guess, as it is. I don't know, but. But both of those LA teams could see some massive changes this offseason. Yeah, they definitely could. Um, and just to flip it to the other side of the country, I've got two Eastern Conference teams that I think could make some moves, and that's the 76ers and the Heat. Um, I think the Sixers, I think they've seen that they're like one piece and maybe like some role players away from being like championship contenders. Um, and so they could make those moves. I don't think they'll do anything like really over the top, but you never know. Um, they've been in that position before and just, you know, seeing how Embiid and Simmons played in the playoffs and they have that experience now, they're going to be really good next year. Um, and bringing in a couple other guys could really help them. Um, the heat, I think are another team, um, they made the playoffs this year, but they're, I think they're trending toward that like no man's land kind of thing like Charlotte and Detroit. And I think they could be in the market to either just blow it all up and try to start over. You know, Drogic could be gone. Whiteside has not been happy with, with Whiteside's definitely gone. Yeah. Whiteside's gone. But um, it's, it's interesting because um, Justice Winslow has been playing pretty well his trade value is probably higher than it's been um but i don't know if they'll trade him maybe they say let's build a young core around justice winslow i don't know um so they have some options and i think it's possible they could um 
go in an extreme direction. But if I'm going to answer this question just simply, which team is going to make the most moves, it's the Cavs. But that's the easy answer, and it's not any fun to just say that because we all know it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that even if LeBron stays, that Cavs team is going to go through another massive overhaul. Um, they they probably don't get rid of guys like Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance because those guys probably don't have much value. Rodney Hood's probably gone. You they probably keep Kevin Love, but you know, trying to trade him for something to build around might be something to add on to. They're getting that number eight pick, whether they keep that or not. You know, bringing in a guy like Trey Young and hoping that he pans out or. You know, someone else like uh, Porter Jr., if he's available, or Bridges, uh, like any of these other areas, uh, maybe trying to bring in a center like a Wendell Carter to give them a legitimate center. You know, they they could go in a lot of different ways, whether LeBron stays or not. So I, I really like that one. Um, I think if I have to give a definitive answer, I think it is... Um, I I I think it's I, I'm gonna go ahead and just go a little homer and say us. That's true. We, because we should uh, talk about that. We mentioned that uh, off off microphone that uh, we we could easily just be homers and pick us, but uh, yeah. I'm just gonna go for it anyways and say why okay. not. This Do is it. a team that has had Devin Booker say this is the last year he wants to have missed the playoffs, and he's tired of not miss not making the playoffs. Uh, a lot of people say that that's because, and that means that we have to uh, get off the pot and uh, do something. Otherwise, Devin Booker's gone, even though he's up for an extension and would be a restricted free agent. So there's that. Um, we're bringing in the one pick, where you know you're bringing in a guy like Aitner Doncic. That makes that's a huge facelift. Um, at the four, we could we're going to go hard for someone like Clint Capella or Aaron Gordon either way. And uh, no matter who we draft, we're going after both of those guys. One of Derek favors. Don't forget Derek favors. (laughs) Don't forget Derek favors. Uh, One of Bender or Chris are probably gone. If we're able to get Aaron Gordon. Um, If we get someone like Doncic, I could totally see TJ being gone. I could see Doncic either playing that three spot or the point guard. If we bring in Doncic, there is a possibility that Alfred Payton either gets relegated to the bench or is gone, and we try and bring someone else. There's the possibility that we bring in someone else even if we don't go Doncic, and we have some legitimate competition there even if we bring back Alfred Payton. There's a lot of ways this team can go, and we're going to try and be in that spot right now to be in that like 30-win area and try and get the one get that like middle step at least. And that's, that's what this team is going to be aiming for get some more development for guys like Josh Jackson in the one pick continue to have Devin Booker progress. I think that, you know, being a, being the Homer pick while the boring pick and not as spicy is still pretty spicy. Yeah. And I think you're right. We have the potential to, to do a lot here. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's move along to the conference finals. Um, we've got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, we have the Cavs are up, or sorry, the Celtics are up 2-1 on the Cavs. Um, the Celtics just dominated them at home 
in Boston, and then when they went to Cleveland, the Cavs dominated the Celtics. So, um, watching this, I don't. I, I still think the Cavs are are going to win this series. I think they're going to come back just because it's LeBron. But like the Celtics are not going to make it easy. And I'm still super impressed with that team and what they've been able to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to see the Celtics win this series really bad. But I don't think it's going to happen. But it is really impressive to see what this team has done, especially these young guys coming together and just learning so quickly um, and, and really making their presence known in the league in a short amount of time. Yeah, Brad Stevens is a really good coach, and uh, that too. Like he has got, he has created a system where he gets the best out of his players, and his conversations with players and like motivation are just really good. And you know, they could have easily just turned over as soon as Hayward broke his leg. They could have easily turned over again whenever Kyrie was out, decided he was out for the rest of the season. But uh, they didn't, and they kept fighting. And now they're in a better spot than they were last year at the same time, which is bonkers to think about. But, it you is. know, this is a team that is set up really well. And while I don't think they beat LeBron, even though I wish they would, um, you've got to give them a ton of credit for what they've been able to do. And, you know that's great and i'm i'm rooting for them even though i hate the celtics yeah i know you do but it's it would be such a nice change of pace to have them win and it's gonna be really really interesting to see what they look like next year yeah i mean they're not gonna change much at all except that they're adding two all-star players one borderline superstar back into the mix like this team becomes a powerhouse with Hayward and Kyrie because then all of a sudden they're having this wing rotation of instead of just Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then whoever, it's like, oh, now you're adding Gordon Hayward to that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of like whatever, you swap out Terry Rozier, who even though he's been playing great, you swap him out for Kyrie, who has been super clutch in the playoffs every year that he's been in it, like last three years or whatever it was with the Cavs. Like, it, that team's going to be really scary, and they'll be interesting to see. I'm still in all on Team Chaos. I just need something different, whether that's the Celtics or whatever. Or if Yeah, yep, we'll uh, see. Yeah. So let's move on to the West. We've got Warriors-Rockets. At time of recording, it's tie, the series is tied 1-1, and the Rockets – or sorry, the Warriors are currently up by 10. It's almost halftime. Uh, we'll see the result of that coming up, but uh, – Either way, one of the one team will be up two one. Um, I still think in this series, no matter what happens in this game, it's still kind of up for grabs. I don't think it's like if the Warriors win here, they definitely have it. Um, the first game of this series, we saw the Warriors just destroy the Rockets, and I, I was thinking like, okay, the Rockets have no chance. But then the Rockets bounce back, have a great game, and do the same thing to the Warriors to knot the series up. Um, I don't know. This is. I still think the Warriors are pretty much untouchable. They're so, so, so good. It's insane. But the Rockets are giving them a run for their money. Um, so, again, Team Chaos, go Rockets. Can't I, I can't see the same series again, even though 
I'll definitely watch to. all of the games no matter what. But like, um, uh, it's it's uh it's nice to see them get challenged by this Rockets team at least. Yeah, um, you know, I think that I I do think that these next two games are actually really important. The Rockets have to take one. They have to take one, otherwise, like it's just over. I think specifically this game, uh, like game four, the Rockets have to win, whether they win or not. Uh, for this game three that's going on right now, uh, you guys will know whether they've won or not. And spoiler alert, the Warriors will probably have won it. Um, <laughs> I'm just predicting the future, uh, which is kind of predicting the past for you. Anyways, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, you know, this Rockets team, their issues were movement off the ball and just turning into just only iso ball with Harden and... Chris Paul when Harden's out and uh that's what's happened and one game it worked and one game it didn't and that you can't do that against this Warriors team I don't care if it works one or two or three games like you can't do it and uh it's unfortunate that we're gonna end up getting the stupid Cavs Warriors matchup again I'm so done with this but uh it's just what's gonna happen it is. And yeah, I was listening to Zach Lowe's most recent podcast and he was talking about the Rockets winning and he said, yeah, they won and it was impressive, but the way they won was not sustainable. So I think that's, uh, I think that sums it up well. To be fair though, like that's been the case of this entire season for them. How they've been winning is just, it is not very good team basketball. They've just been like nailing tons of threes and doing that. Their style of play doesn't look sustainable and then it works for them. I don't think it's sustainable against the Warriors, but like you can't just say like this isn't sustainable when it's got them to the Western Conference Finals. I mean like But against the Warriors. You they're gonna win four games doing that against the Warriors. I, I just don't No, think. I, I agree. I I'm just saying you can't say that it's you can say that it's not sustainable against the Warriors, yes, but you can't just say a blanket statement that it's not sustainable I in mean, general. I mean, he was saying against the Warriors in this series. They're not going to win four games doing that. And I agree. That's fair. I, I think that they – I mean, they still – they could. I, I think that's I, a big I, thing. I, I, they definitely could. I think they could. But They could? Are they going to? No. No. And it's – I think the the guys, I mean, Chris Paul and Harden and Capella are playing unreal, and they've been able to keep that up. But when when your role players are P.J. Tucker, and I love P.J., I, I really am happy for him getting to this point. But, like, you, you don't know what you're going to get from him sometimes. Sometimes he's going to give you 20 points and hit, like, five threes, and sometimes he's going to make one shot and have three points. And – that can be very frustrating. So they have a little bit of inconsistency from those guys. And yeah, Harden and Chris Paul can basically do it all. But, I mean, you see James Harden just exhausted after these games. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you look at the Warrior side, and while they don't really have eye-popping role players, the fact is that they've got a, they've got a four-person lineup of, you know – Curry, Clay, KD, and Draymond, and you can run those guys for forty minutes a night, and then just worry about the other eight minutes as they come. But like, 
that's just how it is. And that team's just really good. And, and it's unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is right now. Yep, yep. And, yeah, this this is where we are. So just keep keep looking at your calendar for June 21st. Um, I saw a great Reddit post the other day in our NBA that was like, can we just fast forward through these playoffs and get to the off season? Because we've got so much good stuff coming up. Like now we have a little bit of Towns drama. We have the whole Kawhi situation. We have uh, a really interesting draft. We have all of this great off season stuff. So I'm with that person that posted that definitely uh, on the same page there. And, Um, we just got to make it through the last few games. And I mean, I say it like, it's not exciting. The finals are exciting, you know, make it through the, the championship series, you know, I would, I would argue that it's less exciting when you know, I mean, like last year's finals were not exciting. It was like four one and you knew the Warriors were going to win each time. And that's how you like, yeah, this Western conference finals could be exciting, but like, I, I feel like. The first couple of rounds were more exciting. Like, they were, and it was the same way last year, but I'm still going to watch every game, like I said. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, like, I can complain all I want, but I'm still going to watch it because uh, that's what I do. Right. All right, let's, let's go to our second Twitter question here. This is from a friend of the pod, at Josh Cran on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, he, he poses a very interesting question. He says, how can these weather apps accurately tell us what it feels like outside? Do they have a special thermometer for that? Do they have people who are skilled in the art of knowing what the temperature is outside just by standing out there? Help. You've come to the right place at Josh Cran. Um, but David, what, what is your take on this? How do the weather apps know what it feels like outside? So obviously we've uh, transitioned to the non-sports aspect of the show, <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, um, send us anything. <laughs> so I will say that, I mean, so I'm assuming this is like, just like a suggestion, like, like just a guess, I'm assuming is what this is. Like, when people say like, it feels like this, it's like, all right, so if you're getting like a ton of hot wind and you know, like it's going to seem like it's hotter than it actually is. And if you're getting like a really cool breeze when it's cold, it's going to seem like it's cooler than it actually is. And like, sure. If you get like a ton of humidity and like you just step outside and you're sweating like instantly, it's going to be like, yeah, it might only be 95, but it might as well be 120. So like, yeah. Yep. That, I think that's exactly right. And so growing up in Wyoming, a thing we always had to factor in was wind chill. I remember going to school and it would be like, let's just say zero degrees to make it easy. Um, and there were rules like if it got too cold, we couldn't go outside for recess. Or school got canceled for like a half day one time because it was so cold. But you have to factor in that wind chill. And it can make it feel like, I mean, it could be zero, but it would feel like it was negative 20 or 30 because the wind would blow so hard and just make it even colder. Um, And then the same thing when I lived in Iowa for that year, that humidity, we had what I called the 90 and 90 days 
which were just awful. The worst weather on the planet. 90 degrees, 90% humidity. And like living in Phoenix, 90 degrees, you're like, oh yeah, that's nice. Let's go take a walk. 90 degrees with 90% humidity in Iowa was like, I can't go outside because I'll suffocate as soon as I step out the door. And it felt so much worse. Like one one fifteen here feels better than 90 degrees and 90% humidity. So I think that's why. But I do think that these app developers, they must have to like travel or something and experience all this different type of weather so they can say, this is what this feels like. I've been in it. <laughs> I, I mean, like there's, there's a group of weather people out there somewhere. Uh, no, I'm not going to call them meteorologists or whatever. They don't study meteors. They study the weather. They're weather people. Um, <laughs> they're out there, and they're just like, all right, so we have this formula. And it guesses what it's going to feel like. So if you're – so you add in all these, like, accounts, and you combine it together, and there's, like, a, a guesstimate of, like, what it's going to feel like. And I think that's – like the deal is and like it's this guess it's not like all the, the everyone makes a weather app and so they go to each location ever and they're just like oh well uh i would say that uh right now it feels like it's about 98 let me check the temperature oh it's like 85 then we're gonna say it feels like 98 i don't i don't think that that's necessarily what's going on all right so thank you for that question um Always send them in at Sunny and PHX Pod. Love answering these Twitter questions. A lot of fun. Um, let's go to our actual non-sports plugs now. We have David's Comic Book Corner and Mitch's Face Melting Minute. David, take it away. Uh, yeah, so a uh, comic book movie came out this past weekend, uh, Deadpool 2. It was fun. Um, it was a nice little palate cleanser after like comic book comic book movie wise after watching infinity war which uh has a lot of like gut punches and gut-wrenching stuff this one's just more uh, it's just goofy it's, if you watch the first deadpool movie then uh you know what it is um obviously if you have kids you shouldn't necessarily be taking it to this movie because uh it's rated r and it's pretty rough in that sense and this movie really it seems like lowest commented on it demo- denominator oh my gosh lowest common denominator but like to the point where like it tries to go around in this circle and then come back on itself to where it's like less lowbrow like it's still lowbrow but like it tries to like come back on itself to like pay off these jokes that seem like they don't really need to be paid off but like kind of just continuing to go with it like uh like you ever watch a daniel tosh like stand up and, like, it kind of just keeps on going and keeps on going until it gets to this point. And then it's like, all right, this is where, this is the point that I've wanted to get to. Like, that's what this movie feels like. Like, it's taking these, like, like ideas of, like, comedy bits and being like, all right, let's ta- do this. And then, like, spin it out and, like, keep on going to where you get to this point where you're like, what is even going on? Like, what are they seriously doing this? And then, like, it comes back around and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Like, it's fun. It's, um... It, it is like super kind of lowbrow. It's not trying to be super smart or anything, obviously, but uh, just go in, look to have a good time. And uh, if you like the first one, you're going to like this. If you hated the first one, you're not going to like this movie. So uh, yeah, Deadpool 2. All right. Well, uh, I hear that I'm going to be checking out the first one when you're here. 
next weekend. So <laughs> probably uh, I'll report back what I think of the first one. But yeah, I just never got around to seeing it. Um, for for my plug this week, I am going to plug the album Reclaimer by Shadow of Intent. This came out in 2017. Uh, just good old heavy modern deathcore album. Uh, decided to get listen to this after plugging um, more like poppy or like emo type stuff over the past couple weeks. Still love that stuff, but um, deathcore is kind of my bread and butter. Um, so yeah, this album's really good. Um, very intense, very heavy, super fun. Still, my favorite tracks on that are the horror within and the gathering of all, which features Alex Terrible from Slaughter to Prevail, which I've plugged before. He's a great vocalist. I I think he might be the best vocalist in the genre right now. So 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 good. So yeah, if you like Slaughter to Prevail or um, even Thy Art Is Murder, I know I compare all of these deathcore bands to Thy Art Is Murder, but that's because they're the kings of the genre. Um, check out Reclaimer by Shadow of Intent. And that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for everyone who sent in questions and for everyone who listens. We appreciate every single one of you. Stay tuned for more draft talk, more playoff talk. And until next week, go Suns. Oh, yeah.